I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP Show. My intention is that you listen to the stories of these MVP guests and are inspired to become an MVP and bring value to the world through your skills. If you have not checked it out already, I do a YouTube series called How to Become an MVP. The link is in the show notes. With that, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from the Netherlands. He works at Dynamic People as a Power Platform Lead. He was first awarded as MVP in 2022. He is a power addict and developer. He learned that creating teams with the same goal and empowering them is the biggest factor for success. You can find links to his bio, social media, etc. in the show notes for this episode. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you, Mark. Happy to be here. And uh, you've got it all correct. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, to get start where it started, I always like to find out a bit about my guests' personal lives. So what they do outside of you know, the power platform dynamics and, and uh, what they do work-wise. So tell us a bit about the Netherlands. Tell us about the best food to eat in the Netherlands, your favorites anyhow. What do you do for fun and a bit about your family? All right. I will, I will start with my family because that's, that's to me, the most important part of my life. Uh, apart from, of course, being on being an MVP. No, I kid. <laughs> I have a, a lovely wife or we're technically not married, but it's weird to say girlfriend when you have three kids together. Um, I have a daughter, six years old, and uh, twin boys, four years old. So our life has been really focused on either work and uh, kids. I bet. I bet. I mean, did you say twins then? Yeah, twins. Yeah. That'd be a handful. That was a handful, especially during lockdowns. Yeah, I have to uh, take a small break from work even to uh, get that going. Yeah, I bet, I bet. So what part of the Netherlands do you live in? I live uh, in the center in a, in a village near, in between Utrecht, Amersfoort and, uh, and Amsterdam. So uh, pretty central, yeah. Nice, nice. Is there a lot of uh, horticulture around that area? What, what kind of culture, sorry? Horticulture, you know, uh, flowers and or other growing products no we uh, uh mostly it's an urban area uh, with a few uh cattle farms in between yeah yeah very good very good and uh you didn't mention food no i didn't mention food um my favorite foods i don't have any i, I just like all of them um, <laughs> i'm not really a food enthusiastic per se i like uh greasy foods maybe something uh, uh, sweets i love sweets uh my favorite sweets are uh, sitting next to me as well m&ms probably should not put it too close to me because then i will eat, eat it eat it all but uh yeah i i love it i love it so so what's your magic skill when it comes to the power platform what what are the what areas do you excel in 
Oh, not in Excel. That definitely not. But uh, it's it's all uh, all of the power platform I focus on, including uh, the area surrounding it. So also a little bit of Azure, but also modern work. And I'm not necessarily a solution architect per se, but I connect all the dots and uh, including customer questions and uh, combining that with uh, the specialized specialists at work who are a lot deeper in certain areas. Yeah. So you're the power platform lead, right? Yeah. At Dynamic People. Tell me, like, so do you have a team of people that work for you? Yeah, basically we are divided in a few different business units at Dynamic People. Oh, we have uh, from ERP to Business Central to Power Platform and BI. And at the Power Platform team, we do both uh, customer engagements and uh, Power Platform uh, areas excluding Power BI. And uh, we have sub-teams with uh, coaches, uh, and I'm uh, both the coach and the technical lead for, for uh, one of those teams. So how do you make sure, you know, today build is, is, is in full effect and when we're doing this recording, and, of course, new public announcements from Microsoft about everything AI, Copilot, um, a lot of new stuff is landing in the platform all the time. How do you make sure your team stays up to speed skill-wise on all these changes? I think that's the, that's the hardest challenge we all have to face. Uh, I have to be honest, I'm a little bit overwhelmed myself with all the uh, co-pilot announcements and how that incorporates in our day-to-day uh, work when what we do for customers and how we actually build stuff. Um and I think that 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 overwhelming feeling uh, is natural. Uh, and I think we should all accept that we are getting overwhelmed with all the information. Um, and we, as a company, or I think as a community, we have to consistently look out for each other, A, on a personal level, that we are grounded, also an important skill uh, for AI, uh, but also grounded that you can cope with everything, uh, but also help each other because you cannot know everything. Um, so what we do at Dynamic People is we have one day time for R&D uh, and we do a lot of knowledge sharing. And I think we should keep learning for new methods to bounce ideas off each other when we're doing uh, customer work. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I I noticed in a couple of your blog posts, you've recently talked around Power Virtual Agents. Tell us your thoughts on PVA. Yeah, uh, Power Virtual Agents. I um, uh, that did a couple of projects a few years back. Uh, did not do a project uh, for the last year. Uh, but Power Virtual Agents is, is a, a special interest of mine because I really like the technology. Um, not necessarily because I felt like conversation was taking off, uh, especially as it, now, as it is going now but more about connecting all the different kinds of the platform uh, with the modern work uh, areas and creating quick wins and keeping people in the flow of work. Um, I like to do Power Virtual Agents for teams, so the internal areas of Power Virtual Agents um, where you can actually help uh, relieve some of the pressure of of, uh, the HR department, for example. Are you seeing, have you looked at all at the nuance? You know, Microsoft purchased nuance and they had their own 
very strong AI chatbot technology already. And <clears throat> we've been told for the last, I don't know, 12 months, maybe 18 months now that we're going to see more integrations of that. Now, I don't know whether we're not hearing about it just now because, of course, with with Copilot being integrated and the ability to pass a URL right into uh, PVA um, of a knowledge set um, that you can then start querying is pretty powerful. Yeah, um, and I'm not sure if you read the latest Powerful Agent news around uh, Build today, but there's apparently coming some action sets uh, and automatic API uh, scraping that you can combine with Power Virtual Agents using Copilot. And that, uh, that was surprising for me as well, how fast the landscape is moving in that direction. And I'm not sure what nuance is in the picture is doing that. Uh, but, uh, I believe Microsoft purchased nuance most for their, uh, voice, uh, technology. Uh, and I've not really looked into the bot building uh, part of Nuance. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. My my understanding is that they purchased Nuance for their medical suite of applications and the voice and what you got with call center, case management, chat, that was kind of like all icing on the top. It wasn't their, my, their primary. But my understanding is, is that the entire team that, was it nuance from an R&D perspective and product development that was under <clears throat> all that voice piece, all that um, all that chatbot layer is now reports up to Charles Lamana directly. So I can only assume they're not going to keep a forked, if you, well, it's not really a forked, but two versions of something going forward, right? They're going to consolidate and bring all the best out of that technology because I tell you what is – the, the stuff and nuance when it comes to chat is absolutely phenomenal, particularly around voice chat, where you ask a multi-part question, right? And it being able to understand the nuance of that question and answer it in context and answer the multi-part um, of it is so, so powerful. You know, it's very human-like. And I think yeah, I, I really think that in the future, when people call into a contact center and or engage with a chatbot, as a human, you're going to ask, I, am I speaking to AI? And if the answer is yes, you're going to breathe with a sigh of relief because you know that you're not going to get that, you know, the, dare I say it, the bullshit runaround that sometimes people have taught on help desk calls and stuff to kind of placate you but not really answer your questions and things like that, I think you're going to get a very precise, accurate answer, which is going to create a much better customer experience. So I'm quite excited about that whole AI chat, voice chat type scenario. Yeah, especially if you especially if you combine it with the uh, magic that is happening with the AI uh, language models that we're seeing today. And uh, then you have uh, the connecting of the voice with uh, large language models to do the uh, answering. Yeah, that's going to be magic, yeah. I tell you, I'll confess one thing that I've not understood yet and I've not probably done enough research on it, is when we look at uh, OpenAI and the Azure service, et cetera, that's there, and this whole concept of bring your own data, but the... You know, if you're dealing, let's say, in a banking or a healthcare scenario, there's compliance issues, right, about handing your data off to another entity like 
potentially open AI. But somehow they've come, created a model where your, your data is still protected, right? You're not here. So I don't understand how the large language model or generative AI works against my data set without them getting a copy of my data set. So uh, I've still got to do it. Do you understand that? I, I don't get it. Uh, I, I understand the building blocks, but uh, as you said, there's still a bit magic behind the scenes that's going on. Uh, first of all, uh, OpenAI um, has a, or uh, Microsoft has a copy of OpenAI uh, language model on Azure. So that means it stays in the same boundaries of that Azure model. You've just However, <laughs> there's still the, the, the vector uh, searching that's going on with, with your data, and that vector. Uh, is used by grounding inside that uh, large language model. And, well, that's why it get a bit magical for me because how can you dissolve, factor it into relevant search information? But, um, yeah, they, they solved it and it works great. So that's uh, amazing. That That's what I find incredible is that with what has changed so much in the last, I don't know, since November, um, you know, when we first heard about um, ChatGPT and and really, even though, you know, inside as an MVP, I had heard about GPT-3 being used in the Power Platform maybe two years ago. I remember it coming out. I'm pretty sure I did some posts and stuff on it at the time. And so it's been around for a while, but it obviously had an inflection point where it took off, right? And, you know, with, with, with what happened there. I I am now a bit frustrated with she who shall not be named, right? Uh, the device on that I can talk to in my home and get to do different things. How unintelligent that now feels. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're just like, you know, I have, so I use commands. So when I come into my studio here, I say, blah, 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 studio go, right? That's my command, studio go. That's all. And what it does turns on all my monitors, turns on all my lights, turns on all the power for the computer, every, all, all the different power sets, camera, that type of thing. And I've been doing this for th- three years. And, you know, day after day, she'll go, oh, I've searched for studios in your local area and these are the studios I've found. And I'm like, <clears throat> you know, like it's the same command and I've given you every variant, but you have seems that you have no ability to learn that's the same. Com- I'm not asking for a Google search of this. I'm asking the same command over and over again. So I just feel that um, that, and I reckon the desktop, the desktop AI in, at the desktop layer in, in Windows 11 and, and whatever future versions, I think it's a game changer and what's possible, what, what could happen there. Yeah, and, and I, I share your fr- frustration because I had uh, the other person who's not uh, to be named in this show uh, and I quickly threw it out because uh, it felt more like work to get it to work than fun uh, to work with it. And, and I was hoping to have more fun with it, with uh, starting my home automation journey. And I, I stopped. I stopped because the the interface was so clunky. I, I could as well press buttons. Yeah, yeah. I didn't stop. I've got over 200 IP-connected devices now around me in my building, outside, inside. I can I can monitor everything from my water tank levels because I've, I've got a bit of a, uh, a little acreage here. And, um, 
yeah, I'm getting constant data and I, I love data, like real-time data from everything. And I really wanted to learn it because uh, I'm building a house um, soon and I wanted to make sure that I had that house tracked out as much as possible to be, you know, eco-friendly, low energy consumption, but also using all the latest around um, connected devices. And of course, I'm really hoping that uh, the A lady and the the GH lady um, will get to that point where it is totally voice-driven, immersive, I can ask it, you know, and a couple other things I think that they need to get right is the APIs for those, like, it won't let me, for example, consume my work calendar. And I would love to go, hey, give me a breakdown of my day without having to visually look at something, right? Tell me what I've got. Give me voice reminders and say, hey, upcoming, you've got this. And I notice that you are outside in the garden. <laughs> you need to get back inside, you know. There's an appointment coming up, you know, that type of thing. I, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get to that level of intelligence Within two years, I'm hoping. And I'm seeing it happen with the with the uh, ecosystem that's going to uh, of the plugins with uh, ChatGPT that's going to be brought over to the uh, Azure uh, OpenAI stack, and uh, uh, I think that will take off. That that should definitely take off, and then help you with uh, with your calendar integrations. And uh, if only Microsoft would bring in um, their own version of. Uh, uh, the voice input together with Nuance, ChatGPT, that will be game changing. I mean, do you know, when you say that, and I jumped to my computer and I was trying to find what the little circle was, um, you know, they used to have, there was a chatbot on the desktop, wasn't there? Yeah, it wasn't Clippy, but I think it was no, Cortana. Was Cortana, Cortana, like, you know, Cortana, once again, I am surprised we've heard nothing because if anything, if Microsoft wanted to now leapfrog those other two major brands, I think now is the time. Like, like you imagine, I mean, yeah, I can imagine a world where I use voice input so much more in my day-to-day work if that was enabled in the technology layer. Um, but, yeah, t- time will tell, I suppose. Then you can work on a widescreen and actually have the input or the data coming through your audio if you need anything instead of moving to your computer to Google or Bing something. Yeah, yeah, and and even if it had the context of whichever device you were closest to, that it said, hey, I'll tell you on that because it's obviously closest to your ears that you're going to hear, <laughs> you yeah. know, whether it be my mobile phone, whether it be a, you know, one of those devices around my house that I can talk to. Um, I think that'd be a pretty powerful story. Yeah. Tell me. It is how quickly do you, uh, and I, when I prepared for the show, when I prepared for my introductions, I, I, I found uh, that I used to be quite a uh, privacy or private person online. Uh, I stopped using Facebook. I'm slowly moving away from Twitter as well. But when you're becoming an MVP, there's probably uh, something that you have to do is profile yourself. And now I've quickly shared a lot of personal data from myself, which I was normally not comfortable with. And if you're talking now about your uh, home automation suite and uh, your whereabouts, uh, yeah, if it's that usable, then I will probably give away all my locations. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. 
Yeah, and I think all the kind of black mirror stuff or or edge cases around what could potentially happen to you that we've been brought up with for years, you know, the fear of that. I, yeah, uh, you know, I know without a doubt that Facebook is listening, you know, as in they've just, I think an article came out just recently that WhatsApp, for example, as is using that data. And how many times have you said something and all of a sudden you get advertised too, and you'll know that you haven't searched it or anything uh, as in via a keyboard and it, and it pops up. But it's, it was interesting. I was in China um, for a piece and I was talking to a guy that took, took my wife and I to, for, um, a day trip across the Great Wall of China. We went 100K out of Beijing to get to an area where the tourists kind of weren't. And um, we're talking, I brought up about privacy and stuff, and he said, you've got to understand in China there's no concept of privacy. Nobody is, nobody's brought up to feel that there is a right to privacy. So it's just not a thing. Like, And I'm like, yeah, isn't that interesting? And And I feel that the next generation's coming through. They're just not going to think about it that same way that we are, oh, you know, I was brought up in a generation where you didn't talk about politics, you didn't talk about religion, you didn't talk about sex, right? Or money was the other one, right? But but now all that's fair game with the current generation, right? They are very with their friends, etc. It's yeah, they're out there. Yeah, yeah. How do you manage work life balance? Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it manages me. Um, now, uh, as I mentioned, we, we uh, had a, quite a busy time with the kids and uh, both me and, and Cindy, my, my, my girlfriend, both really like to work. We enjoy the challenge. We enjoy the uh, connectivity. We enjoy being out there uh, and challenging ourselves to grow. Um, and, uh, well, that, that leaves us struggling uh, and that leaves us with choices we have to make. Uh, and uh, a mindset that we try to shift from uh, being bummed out that you have to choose for something from uh, being uh, glad that you can choose something. We can choose to do more social stuff. We can choose to do to invest more in our work life. Uh, we do not choose, or uh, but, uh, our main priority is our family life, and that's something that uh, is just number one. Um, and then managing that social time and sharing the time because she is entitled to uh, the same amount of uh, uh, work events or outside work events that I have, They're going to conferences and whatnot. Um, yeah, that's that's a challenge, and uh, um, that's that. I think that's that's the most difficult uh, part that we do uh, in our uh, calendar to make sure everything is uh, connected and, and moving uh, in the right direction. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Ben, as we wrap up, what advice do you have to other people that aspire to be an MVP? I don't think you should aspire to be an MVP. Um, I think uh, if you like to do community work uh, and, and to do that in this atmosphere, in the community, uh, in the Microsoft community, um, then it will come natural to you. Uh, what you do need to look out for, and I can think uh, when I started my blog, that was six years ago, uh, your blog, Mark, was really helpful because that set me up in the right direction to start slowly profiling yourself. Uh, that's something you do need to think about if you have this little uh, goal of yourself to become an MVP eventually or not uh, 
have it off the table. But you should enjoy the work that comes with it because creating content or sharing your knowledge or uh, hosting community events, that, that's going to be a lot of work uh, anyway. And if you don't enjoy that, then you should, should not even try to become an FP. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 guy. If you like the show and want to be a supporter, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 guy. Thanks again, and see you next time.